Maloilele, Talofalaba, Gelrana, and Fakalofalayatu. I'm Benji Timun, and welcome to the Panthers Podcast. Each episode, we tell them all about those involved in creating the Panthers TV series, their inspiration, the Polynesian Panther Party, and how the movement affects our lives now. Malo Lisoifua, welcome to our second episode of the Panthers Podcast. Today, I'll be delving into the themes of episode two with producer Joni Ilolahia plus actor Vila Limande, who played another complex character, Fuf, Will's Day Ones. Malo Lilei, Talo Falava, and um, warm Pacific greetings, and welcome everybody to the Panthers podcast. We have Joni Ilolahia, who is one of the producers for the Panthers, and also is the daughter of Will Ilolahia. We also have Vila Lemanu, who played Fuf, a.k.a. Fa'amuana Uncle John Nuofutsu in the show. And how is everyone this morning? Yo, all good, eh? Alive. Grateful to be alive, man. Um, had a nice morning. Woke up really late, but doing okay. Yeah, all good. Thank you, bro. How about you, How are you feeling? I'm doing great, thank you. So happy to be here. Blessed to be with the best. So yeah, life is good. Life is good, brother. That's awesome to hear. It's an honour to have both of these on on this podcast. So, you know, Joni, I can imagine this journey would have been, you know, quite special for you. It's a, it's a special project there in your career, especially as a producer and a director. You know, you're sort of, you know, you've been in film for, what, a couple of decades now and, you know... Two. Now, two decades, Whew. and you know, <laughs> and so, like, man, you are now a producer of a show that virtually, you know, talks about, you know, your father's time when he was a late teen, early 20s. It's a story that is um, now known to a lot of New Zealanders, especially a lot of Pacific Islanders now. So, you know, are you able to sort of talk us through briefly how this project came about and also how close you were to the journey from the beginning? Sure. Um, Malo Bito, um, Benji, and thank you so much for saying so. Good to have you here too, Vila. And so, um, and that's why we made the show, you know what I mean? So we, we made the show for those people that don't know about what the Panthers did, you know, for all the young ones coming up who you know, just hang out in the garage in the weekends, um, who may have not gone to uni and then who wouldn't necessarily learn about the Panthers through uni because, as you know, we weren't taught this history in our schools. So we also made the show for people, um, you know, who maybe like the older generation who were around at that time, just so that people can have a discussion and talk about it because I feel like even with the Dawn Raids topic, um, everyone knew Dawn Raids, Dawn Raids, Dawn Raids as the word or the banner or something significant mm. that happened. But I feel now, only now, like you were saying, the discussions, people are talking about it. And now we're actually really understanding, you know, the hurt and the trauma that was caused by that very movement, by that that horrible part of our history. And so this, what I understand, it's been 14 years in the making. My dad was like, you know, because he's involved in media and, and wears many hats, he was like, oi, what do you reckon? Do you reckon this would be a good movie? This would be dope, eh? And I was like, yeah, I reckon it would be good, Dad. What do you reckon? So he said, okay, so why don't you come on and be a producer? And I was like, oh, tie all there, little lady, tie all there. 
I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm just a kid. I'm doing my own thing over here. You do you. But, you know, so I said, I'll advise from the side. So I said, this is the list. This is what you do. <laughs> go forth and be great. So dad, you know, being dad, he went around and tried to go through the list of what it takes to actually get a feature film up and thought it would be a great movie. And um, it went through many teams and many writers. And then it got to a stage where he had a couple of people which were on board. And because the gravity of the show and so much, you know, the story in itself is huge, not only about my dad, but just the Panther movement in general, they felt it was better maybe to turn it into a series. So at that stage, it had changed into like a TV series, like a modelled on the underbelly genre. So having like one character per episode so to say so I really liked that because it was able to show the whole story of at least a few of the people who were involved in the movement because there really you know isn't only my dad in the story and so it you know it had transpired and it was going along we put it in for funding we got knocked back you know and a lot of people had said to me like the government's not going to give you money showing you showing you running against the government and battling with the government I was like oh yeah true way and then so you know dad's still going along he's getting older some of his OGs start passing away he starts to get ha. he starts to get frustrated and I said okay 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 see that movie up there on screen I said that probably took them five to ten years to get that movie up and he was like what and I said yeah that took like five to ten years I said you know it's not going to be quick it's not going to run on Will Ilola here time. It's a process. It's a team. You know what I mean? It's a collaboration of lots of different creative people. So he was going along with this team and then The Dark Horse came out. And I just loved what Tom Hearn and Four Nights did. I was like, Dad, did you like that movie? See that movie? I said, take it to this guy. He will actually get it made. And so Tom's had it for five or six years. And here we are today. So December 2019, I got called up by some other members of the um, Four Nights crew, which I've worked with on other films. And they were like, um, we've got this film on our slate. Is that your dad? And I was like, oh, yeah. And they were like, I'm going to come over and interview you because I lived in Melbourne. And I went, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. I'll just come home and we'll just have a corridor about it. So when I went home and, and, and had a chat, I walked into their house and their whole wall was like 1971 to 1981 research of all of the events that had happened in the time about the whole Panthers. And I was like, okay, these guys are like, it's serious now, it's going to happen. So then slowly, I was still advising from the side. And then we got confirmed by TVNZ, we got given a green light in the lockdown last year, which was March 2020. And so Tom and I were like, okay let's go <laughs> and so from then I came on board and then well, that's been and been my involvement that I actually had to be more involved um to get it made and I'm and I'm so glad that I did and so like you were saying Benji I just carried on in film and television because that was the medium that I drew to you know we're from the video generation so when I was there in prep and then everyone was coming up and asking me questions, they was like, oh, did they do this? Or what was so-and-so like? Oh, did they do that? All of a sudden, the penny dropped to me that I knew that that's what this has been my calling and my destiny and that I was going to be here this whole time. I was like, ah, oh, 
thanks God, I get it now. I get it now. Thank you. I get it. You know how, like, being a producer and a director for other people's stories, you sort of have this duty to tell the story properly. And so you've got these two hats on where, you know, we're trying to tell this story properly, but also I need to do my job because I've been a producer for the last 20 years. Did you find that quite challenging to juggle the two hats or did that sort of work quite nicely together? I feel it fit quite nicely together because it wasn't foreign to me. Like film and TV, I feel very, very comfortable. I'm so comfortable on set. Like, um, you know, that's my jam. And so, yeah, I felt in the end that it was um, a comfortable fit for me. And I've seen somewhere in Tom's um, speeches or something that he's had to explain to other people that it was good having me there as the liaison between the actual Panther members and the production company because being the Panther members, we wanted to respect them and tell their stories honestly and accurately. But obviously, it's a dramatised version, you know what I mean? So we have to write, They, the boys had to write it as well in a way that's palatable to a television audience, that's palatable to a TikTok audience that watches things on their phone, you know? So um, it was good because then I was able to explain to them, oh, yes, that's right, that didn't happen. But so, you know, it was a lot of that going back and forth, back and forth. And so we were just like, okay, they might not understand it now, but when it comes out, they'll get it. And so when the show came out and they saw it and they understood and the light shone on them and that they were given those accolades of what had happened, then they were like, oh, okay, I get it now, I get it. So, yeah, it fitted in really nicely. Um, And also, too, in saying that, you know, because a lot of them were there before I was born, a lot of them were there. They just remember me as this little kid running around, you know. They you know, they would have celebrated me being born. They would have celebrated my first birthday. They would have celebrated my fifth birthday. So the trust was there. You know, sometimes they maybe they didn't understand it or they didn't get it, but they were like, oh, no, it's okay. She's there. She's going to make sure that we're looked after and our story is told properly. So, yeah, I hope I, I, hope I was able to do that for them, yeah. It's it's really important that you have that trust from the OG Panthers, but also that it's, you know, reciprocated as well. But, you know, speaking of OG Panthers, Whamwana Lofutu is, um, you know, he was also in the, he was also cameoed as well in, in the later episodes, which was pretty cool to see, um, as well as yourself, Joni. I did see a couple of times you're in there. And so, Vila, you played this really iconic character too. It was cracker because I was like putting you guys side by side and I was like, but you guys actually look look alike. You know, like, oh, I know. <laughs> like I'm not even sure what he what he was like when he was younger, but um, I can I can sort of see the resemblance too. Right, and so was, like, yeah. yeah, he went through it. Eh? Like Johnny, Johnny knows. I had what was mean is like obviously for a character like Foof and knowing that he was a real person, like naturally just there's just a tremendous pressure, eh? Like on your shoulders as an actor to be like, I, I just want to do justice, man. And and for someone like me, I've been dying for a role like this as an actor. Um, but at the same time, it's like, because it's such a meaty role, I just wanted to do right by, by the story. And I, I wanted to do right by by him and making sure that I'm not telling a lie, you know? Um, and I was making, I think one of the most important things for me was making sure that the source was correct and that the story was being told by the right people. So as soon as I found that out, I was like, man, I'm all in. And it was mean, because before, like I think a month before we even started shooting, journey um helped set up a, a pretty much one-on-one with with Foof 
and we just talked for two hours. I say we talked, but he he was, he was just sitting there talking and, and telling his life story, man. And yeah, it's it's buzzy, bro. Like he just lived a, a different life. And and like my personal view on it is that it wasn't his fault. Like, and I think all of the stuff that he's doing now is is a massive blessing to people that are kind of currently going through that. Um, in terms of like um prison life, the system. Um, in terms of just just mental abuse, you know, like you know what I mean. Like um um, there's, there's mental. I just say systems. I think systems is probably the best word to describe it. I'm just grateful as as a human to know that he chose art. Um, as an avenue to to kind of tell his stories and um, you know with with his book a boy a uh, boy called broke a boy called piano as well it's just it's a mad blessing to see him tell his story through art and yeah man like I think for me um, it's hard to see similarities because I was just like man this guy's hardcore man <laughs> man you know what I mean like like he's, he's about that life man he's I remember I read, this is a crack up story uh, you, you heard it here first. But um, I remember, exclusive. Um, yeah, exclusive, man, exclusive. Um, when we had that one on one day, like uh, I was listening listening to him speak, and I was like, I really want to get into this world. I want to, I want to get into this guy's mind. And um, I remember we were talking, and then halfway through through the talk, he he offers me a ciggy, and I don't smoke. Like one of the reasons is because like, bro, I'm just like heavy ast- asthmatic, so I'm like, ah, oh, bro, I don't want to look, I don't want to look like a like a weak duty. So I took the ciggy, and then I try to do this thing where like I'm holding the ciggy, and and as he talks, I pretend to like to go like light it. And then I'm like, oh, oh, actually, I got this question. And then I just, I just, but I'm like, I have a question. But if I try to do that for like 30 minutes, see? And then I was like, ah, oh, this guy probably knows. I'm just going to try it. But um, yeah, nah, he's such a generous dude. He gave me a jacket the first time I saw him. Like, he was just like, and that's, that's, that's what I mean. He's cool, man. Like, he was just like, oh, I can't fit this anymore. Yeah, this, like, do you want it? This is for you. I was like, bro, I'm going to hold on to this, man. So like every time I went into that um, what is it like space? So like when I went into filming, I made sure that I always had that jacket on me just to kind of remind myself hey, about just who this guy is and what this guy's story is. It's a blessing to just I only I only know like a fraction, a tiniest fraction of the man's story. It, it just made me curious, you know, to le- learn more. And there's so much to the world and to, to New Zealand that I didn't know, and so Auckland specifically, I think. And um, I think that yeah, it was, it was cool. I'm always yeah grateful. It's just the word that comes to mind. Eh? Your 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 character in the series is sort of portrayed as this like you know he keeps his cool under any pressure and you know he does have a angry side to him as well and you know is that is that something that was intentional? Yeah, bro. Um, it's crazy when you say that because like for me again, and this is what I mean by as an actor, this is one of those meaty roles that I really like. Is because I'm like me, Vila, the actor is like the total opposite of of all of that, man. You know, so I'm like, of course, like to challenge myself and, and to find stuff within me. But what's cool about him is that obviously, like as a role, you're you're kind of just portraying like uh, as an actor, I'm portraying one side of him. Like it's not like it's not the absolute version of him. You know, that's just always like a sort of um a version of and and what was cool is he let me take that sort of route but even in the description like the man was 18 17 18 in the film or in the in the series and he's already been in and out of prison like multiple times like he's already been in that system which i and i personally believe like it wasn't his fault like you know it's, it's such an interesting story to me because i'm like there's a lot of people that would have went through this that i didn't know about and yeah, it's yeah. it's unfair man like it's real um, I'm trying not to swear. 
Oh, it's real bad. It's just real. Uh, I really felt felt bad. Sorry, I'm, I'm going on a mad tangency, but um, the man already knew the, how how it worked, you know, and and he's lived. He's seen things that no one's ever seen before at that age, and so for him, at that point in time, like the man's not scared of anything. Is is kind of what I wanted to go for. Eh? Is like nothing would have phased them, even in the most um sort of troubling times for the for the Panthers or for himself. For me, it's just like the man just wants to chill. You know, like the man's not scared of he he has all of that sort of mana and pride within him naturally. Mm. And uh, that's such a cool thing to play. So Uncle John and Dad, they've known each other since they were like six or seven. So because mm-hmm. Dad went, um, he got a scholarship and went to the UK and that was when he was about nine or ten. So and even like Uncle John talks about that time when they were like hanging out on the streets and then Dad went away, you know, so Uncle Fat Moana and Dad, they're like tight. You see a little bit of that in the series as well. You know, there's a there's a moment where um, Uncle John gets arrested because you know he's he's taking the yeah. rap for Uncle Will. I mean, oh. like you know, you know, was, was there things like that that happened back in the days too, Journey? That was a real thing, eh? That that, that, way, that was a real moment. Like um, I remember meeting uh Will before I met Foof. And when I met Will for the first time, that's the one of the first things he told me. Um, even though I knew I read it off the script, but hearing it from him, I was like, oh, it's a real, like it's a real, real thing that he did. But then what's even funnier is that when I met Fuff to talk about it, he he just talked about it like it was nothing. Like <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, just took the rap for Will. Like the man was gonna go study, like, bro, it's, this is my life. I, you know what I mean? I know the street, I know, I know, I know this world. It's it was a no-brainer for him. Yeah. So like, I was like, this guy is loyal, man. Yeah. This guy is the man. Like, I think he's a smart dude in that sense. Hey? Like, he he knows. I mean, if you think about it, if, if Will did get taken that day, you know, like, where would the Panthers be at the moment? So like, mm-hmm. it's such a crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, just man, such a, such a good brotherhood, eh, right there. Like, ish. They're burning hard. Yo. Yeah, yeah. You know. You know we love our village and we love our family, you know, even though we're not blood related, the bond that you have together through the struggle, right? You know, the thing about brotherhood is the real measure of brotherhood comes down to like, you know, that one moment, like, are you going to think about it twice? And so, you know, the relationship between like males is, is really tricky because it's kind of like there's this element of toxic masculinity, like, you know, are you going to do it or what? Are you down for the boys or what? <laughs> so like and so like we see we see parts of that actually happen between um Will and Ice in the episodes too. You know, although they're not like brothers, but he is a brother from the hood, if that makes sense. And yeah. so, you know, for example, you know, Will's put in this really tricky situation where he has to pay his taxes, eh? You know, and this is like street code really. You know, you 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 have a certain area and if there's a new sort of like a party or a new gang, there's this duty to let the local gangsters know. And so we see him sell his things until he sort of eventually gives us that new TV that um yeah, yeah. you know your character gave him me. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, you know, like all these tricky situations were was that also based on true events as well? Was there sort of like a bit of turmoil between the local gangsters and sort of like yeah. this political you know rise? Because they were kids. And so dad and all the boys literally lived like one street from each other. So there was like, it started off like six or seven of them just always hanging out 
because the parents were always working and so the boys the boys were actually allowed to go out of the house the girls would never never allowed out of the house and that's why the boys were always picked up because they were just roaming the streets and just having fun not even getting into trouble but just playing on the streets and hanging out you know and so that's what I understand is Ponsonby Grayland at that time was a melting pot of all the migrant communities everyone spoke their own language so it wasn't even English English was the second language there so everyone spoke you know, Te Reo, Samoan, Tongan, Tokaloa, Nguyen. And so from that, Dad and his friends were getting picked up by the cops and they were treated like niggers. And so that's why they ended up, you know, adopting that name, the niggers, because they're like, well, they're going to treat us like that anyway. Um, but there were also many other gangs that were running at that time. There was Stormtroopers, the Apaches. Um, yeah, there were lots of other different groups running there. But it is what it is. Like it's like you said, it's street law, it's code, you know. So we tried to show that in the series a little bit, you know, to show what life was like then. It was tough. It wasn't all, you know, roses. So we tried to show how hard it was, you know, for people in our migrant communities trying to just get by. I hope that that had come across just really how tough it was and how that how badly that they were treated. And I guess that's really a testament to the system working well in terms of, you know, separating, you know, the islanders from the white people. You know, you know, it's this conquer and divide tactic that the government was doing at the time, right? They make the system not work for us. And so it, you know, it further divides us within our own bubbles, I suppose. I just want to say, you know, like as a as a young Pacifica person in New Zealand, I'm assuming you're born here as well. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah, bit more very happy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all of us. We're all born here. Um, you're an actor as well, and so you know, like going from my friend Michael Jones to the Panther series, and you know, uncovering all this information about you know the dawn raids, how we were treated back in the days, what cops were like to us at that time. Did you sort of resonate with a lot of those themes? Such right, as yeah. racism. It's a it's a buzzy one because I feel like I was part of the sort of I was a part of the New Zealand that didn't really understand. Like you know what I mean? Like I I think I think Panthers was sort of the generation before the generation that I kind of grew up in. Like Dawn Raids, like every time I heard Dawn Raids, I thought it was like Savage and Mariko, you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> what I grew up understanding and I didn't learn about the actual Dawn Raids until this film like I didn't, I didn't learn it in school as well and even like talking to my parents about it my parents kind of luckily enough they came to New Zealand just after the dawn raid so you know what I mean they, they only heard about it but it's crazy doing all of this research man I've never felt like a minority before because I always grew up you know I, mean? I grew up out south like um in the 2000s 90s 2000s where I only saw brown faces it wasn't until I went to uni that I saw like I guess a lot more white faces and people you know and um i've never felt like such a minority before and then kind of understanding and reading the story bro it's painful bro you know what i mean it's like i don't really click to me that like i'll be like oh it's only stuff that you see in movies and then i remember like oh movies sometimes are based on real stories you know like being a part of it i'm like damn this is from someone's memory like not just from someone's imagination yeah and um it's just sad like like i feel like there's a start of ep6 you know when um yeah with, with, with the family just, trying to hide the um their mom like bro like yeah families did that ah bro like it's it's so bizarre to me like even now like it's 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 hard to fathom um yeah just yeah. sort of gravitas of, of all of what was going on in the 70s and i think for me i just feel really appreciative 
and I, I just give more thanks to my elders because of what they went through. I think there were a lot of conversations and obviously there's still a lot of work to be done, but there's a lot of conversations that happened then that made me not go through that. And so I, I just feel really blessed and, and I don't take any of that for granted knowing the story. Like um, I will continue to preach, you know, like, you know what I mean? I will continue to have converse on this now because of this. It's just kind of sad that it's taken me this long to, to know the story, but at the same time, I'd rather find it out now than when I'm like in my forties or fifties. So yeah. Um, yeah, just knowing it's real is 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 what gets me. Yeah. Um, it was only this year until I learned like well, about all these different stories about yeah. what happened back in the seventies. I mean, like Joni actually shone light on a lot of those stories when we toured with the the Panthers, and you know this you know definitely made me um, pretty angry because you know I was educated in New Zealand for 13 years in the in the educational system as well as university and I never heard anything about this. I mean I heard stuff about James Cook and I knew exactly who he was. You knew oh. what date he came here, you knew you, you know this you know he's got schools named after him. On the flip side of that coin you've got Pacific Islanders who if you look at the grand scheme of things, we are more we are sort of more Tangata Fenua than Bailangis are. You know, if you look at the long timeline of yeah, you know when we were separated you know during the voyages and stuff and you don't hear anything about that like to be honest i see those voyages as fairy tales almost because we've been so institutionalized in, in the system that mm. it becomes like a like a fairy tale and yeah so, i agree with you yo yeah yeah that's a buzzy thought yeah i agree with you on that yo yeah so things like the panther series is something that really kind of grounds us and our history and our genealogy, because, you know, when you grow up learning about other people's history, you kind of inherently forget yours and you start learning about other people's and then that becomes your history. And yeah. so, you know, in, in the long term, uh, the next generation, we want them to be part of our history, which <laughs> is the history of the Dawn Raids, the history of our grandparents, our great grandparents coming into Aotearoa, and then, you know, linking that back to the 1300s when Māori came to New Zealand. You know, yeah. that's our history, not yeah. James Cook coming here. And so, you know, talking about, you know, old old heads, um, Joni, you know, like, what was racism like back, back in that time? Um, you know, growing up as a kid, I know that you mentioned that you hadn't really experienced it because you were quite like covered, right? Because I mean, your dad's will, of course, he's yeah. not gonna allow <laughs> you to to experience any of this shit. And so, yeah, are you able to sort of share a little bit about maybe some retrospective reflections on you know what it was like actually, maybe even just in your career as a as a producer, did you sort of experience any of those strains of racism? Yeah. Um, thanks, Benji and Vila, for saying. And I also am just grateful, too, because now that you guys do know the story, that you're with me and with us and with everyone, you know, who's woke to continue to combat racism because it comes in many forms, you know, systemic and institutionalised. You know, a lot of people have colonised minds, even our brown people, but that's not their fault because it's just the way that it happened but we can still fight against it and we can still educate people you know quite often you know I'm always battling people and I feel it's it's an ongoing education like all the time so oh you guys don't know so I'm like, at least now there's links and stuff mm. so now I send the links 
I tell the people, but now you can send links, you know, to books and, and you know, to educate people and let them know what happened to us. So I'm glad it doesn't matter if you found out yesterday or last year or today or what have you. I'm just grateful that we're all in this waka together to educate and liberate people. And yes, I would say that I was definitely in a bubble in terms of not feeling any racism because, you know, I was in with my parents the whole time. So as a kid, I just got dragged along to everywhere. And then now as an adult, I look back and see that they were actually significant moments in history. So say, for example, like Bastion Point, I was there with Shay every day for like a year and a half. I was on all those Nelson Mandela tours. I protested my whole life. I only didn't go to the Eden Park one. And also, so in the weekend, because my parents were so young, I was with my grandparents the whole time. And by then we had we had our house in Lincoln Street, but by then my great uncle Peter had bought their house in Sandringham. So, you know, Sandringham at that time was very Labour voter, a very um, elderly generation, you know, very white um, so me myself, I feel that I didn't experience any racism myself because of where I was living in at that time. So I was always in the cloak of the Panthers or in this nice little bubble with my grandparents, you know. So it was good, though, because I went from Edendale Primary School, which was all white. There was only me, my Samoan friend and my Indian friend. We were the only brownies at that school. So I lived this nice little cushy little, you know, upbringing. But then uh, mum and dad bought a house in Newton. And so that was quite good because that really toughened me up. It was an urban school. Everyone was brown. So it was good. And that's where I got to be, you know, like more sort of street aware when I had to like walk along the street by myself. In terms of racism, what I would say is as a brown Pacific woman, I've had to fight a little bit harder because they see this and then they hear this, but they don't really take me seriously. They just think, oh, you know, you're just a brown girl. You don't really know much, you know. And so I've had to really, you know, find my voice and know that I actually do have something important to say and to always continually use it. One of those examples I would say in my career, so I manage like um, – hip-hop artists and also toured hip-hop artists from the states that came down to Australia and New Zealand so I did all, I worked all of those tours so these are guys like you know like Wu-Tang Clan, Black Eyed Peas, Jurassic mm-hmm. Five so I would be the the sound engineer so we go to sound check and I'm standing there and I've, I've got a pretty good ear so you know and then I'd go to the sound engineer and go oh can you just move this one up bring the treble down and just move this one up like totally telling him how to mix the desk And he'd look at me like, who the fuck are you trying to tell me what to do? So I'd go a little bit back and forth on that, you know, because they look at me like I'm just some brown chick. Obviously, I'm someone's girlfriend or I've slept my way to the top or whatever they think, you know. So they would totally go back and forth. I'd stand there three times. The sound still sounded like mud. So I'd go back and forth. And then in the end, I would have to say, look here. I'm the event manager and I'm going to pay your invoice. So you either have to do what I say or you, I'll just fire you on the spot. And they were like, oh, oh, okay. You know, just a little bit of stuff like that. We're just not taken seriously. But, you know, that's where I've had to find my voice and just say, we're not going to put up with your stuff. <laughs> you guys don't know everything. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%, man. Like, 
I can definitely think of like moments where I've had to like meet them more than halfway because there's a feeling that um, there's not there's not a reciprocated respect, and so like yeah, I can definitely uh, resonate with what you said there. Last question to wrap things up: Do you have any highlights of the shooting of the series, or and do you have any stories that you haven't? shared publicly <laughs> exclusive stories on the yeah. shoot you know we've had some pretty funny ones viewer wait just roughly just roughly what, what are some ones that people have been saying yeah so uh demetrius there was the one where um frankie wanted to um be alone with him for a little bit and all the boys were giving, <laughs> giving him shit because apparently he throws up yeah, so I remember that, that day. I remember that day clearly, man. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The man was shit. The man was stuffy when Frankie walked in. <laughs> man, it was crack up. All the boys, gee. Uh, I'm gonna put him on blast on me. Yeah, gee. The meat just was crack up, right? The man was like, yeah, gee, just, you know, like, oh, loose. And then as soon as Frankie walked in, the man just, oh, shit, gee, just went stuffy, gee. Man, crack up. I'll never forget that day, man. Crack up, gee. Oh, who else? Wait, I just want to know real crack up. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just wasting some time, but um, this is interesting. You're never wasting time, Bela. You're never wasting time. We could honestly sit here for hours and talk. Yo, I just want to know, man. I just want to know, wait, crack up. I'm trying to remember. There's so much, like, on my end, uh, there were highlights, man. Like, obviously, there's, like, different kinds of highlights. Like, for me, um, as an actor, like, for me, um, working with veterans, I'd say, or people that are sort of, like, really, really up there in the industry at the moment, to me, there are moments where, like, a thing clicked for me. Like, I'm like, oh... I see what this person's doing and I try and apply that to, to my own practice. Like, for example, talking with directors and, and offering, this idea of offering, I never understood, like, what that meant. Like, as an actor, I always thought it was just, like, learn the script, do your part. You just, that's, that's it. But I've seen actors, like, like those ones that are in the game for a while, like, even during the shoot, kind of look at the director and then be like, oh, what if, I feel like this doesn't make sense. My character might not do this and then try something. And it might be better. And like there's stuff that they made the final cut that I was like, yo, that wasn't in the script. That was mean. So that, that's stuff that I like learned. I feel like that's a highlight in terms of a career because I'm like, that's the thing that switched gears for me. Eh? But in terms of like just as a shoot, they were a crack up, man. Oh, damn it. I, that's a vault, man. There's a whole vault of memories, man. I, I'm trying to think, eh? like a lot of the ones that I crack up at were like before the shoot, like when we kind of just met the boys and, and we did a lot of exercises to kind of get close with the boys and stuff. I think just that whole month, I think it was November, like of just, just catching up with them. And cause like majority of us, I mean, like apart from me and Rocky, cause me and um, Rocky who plays Kong, we, we've known each other since, since childhood. That was our first time sort of bonding as a group. Yeah, nah, it was mean, man. I think it's, it's not like a specific highlight, but one thing that we'd always do, especially in the first block, in the December shoots, um, we'd always be singing songs, like, on set. It was like, boys to men in the car, gee, like, <laughs> boys to men, and none of us really know how to <laughs> <play. laughs> <laughs> Yo, gee, man, you know me, you can't wait for those mean records, man. <laughs> oh, man, me, bro, get that spotlight, nah, crack up. But, um, yeah, I think every time I think about set, like, the vibe on set, I just think about all the times that we sang before the shoots. Like, there's that scene. Like, for me, there's, there's like one of my favorite scenes. It's not even a talking one. It's just we're all walking out of episode one of the sort of bar. And this is before Will catches up to Tessa. But that walk, like, because um, we, we shot that quite a bit. It was cold. Um, we would be singing that whole night. Like, every time I look at that scene, I'm like, I just remember us in that corner just, yeah, belting out voices, man. It was, it was a good time. It was a good time, man. 
Yeah. yeah. That was cool too because yeah, they were definitely like singing like the whole time. And then I was wondering, Vila, actually if you could touch a little bit on that stuff that you guys did in prep when you had to work together and you guys um were workshopping as well with Yeah. I just for the listeners and people out there to hear oh, and yeah. understand what came up. Yeah, hell yeah. Like, obviously, for a story such as this, <laughs> um, obviously, for, for a story such as this, like, um, I remember getting the call being like, yo, I'm pumped as that I got this role. But also, I was like, I'm nervous as as to how to go about it. I didn't even know that Bowser was on board at this point. So then when we all first rocked up to SPPA and um, sort of just sat in that conference room, that's another thing. We were in a conference room, man. Like, do you know how business-like? That table was, it was scary, man. <laughs> I was just like, I'm gonna start my acting now, eh? Like, where? Um, but um, it was, yeah, like, we just sat down, met um, Mickey, we met Tom, Noah, and Annabella, who pretty much just, she, she was kind of the glue for us, man. Like, she was our acting coach, and she, she was pretty much like our guideline, our, our safety net throughout the whole series, like, the whole shoot. Basically, like, bro, it's mean because we had material everywhere. Like, Bowers was there to guide us in terms of, like, how we could develop these characters, like, in our bodies, um, obviously, like, in our voices and our spirit and our understanding of the roles. We just rock up every, like, I think it was pretty much every day or, or like, three or four times a week, um, just the SPP. And then we'll just link up, talk about the different scripts, talk about the story. Um, talk about ways we can approach it. So there's, there's like the acting side of it, then there's the material, like the, the info, like the actual, the people of the Panthers, which Journey helped us link up with, then all of the story they had. I mean, like, obviously, as Journey said, like, this is years of prep, man. So they already had all of this material ready for us before we even got there. So like, there was like an abundance of like information there for us already. Um, it was just about making sure that we were okay with it and, and we kind of, you know what I mean, digesting the stuff that we needed. But it was a fun time, man. Like Tom and Noah like helped us in terms of like um, going a bit method on it as well. Like Ravi, um, who plays Nigel, you know, like he they made him a treasurer um, while we were in that prep. Like so they gave us like a weekly sort of allowance and our man had to be an accountant for that whole time. You know, like like the man was keeping score of all the money, you know, just to get into that role. Like thinking about it now, like, man, we're grateful to, to work with them because these guys really helped us get into those those roles. Um, my guy, like obviously, Fuf's the man, so I just had to be the man throughout November. I was like, oh, yo, sh- easy, bro. <laughs> oh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> bro, easy ass, man. Oh, fuck. Stand it. Oh, yeah. yo, see. <laughs> easy, man. I'll take the rap. Yo, yeah, take my rap. Yeah, that's me, G. Start scraps on the street and then take the rap. All right, GG. Let me just go punch that guy, G. I'll take the rap for you, bro. Yeah, man. Just, you know, that's great. November, man. <laughs> But nah, that prep was um needed, man. It was it was really helpful. Eh? I'm real grateful for that time. Yo. Um, we need to make it like a behind the scenes, behind the scenes one. But <laughs> I have the, the the adult version, my jokes. Um, so many good. But even like meeting the boys, so they went to that table reading to meet all the creatives. And then because I lived in the city and had to pass where they were workshopping down at Richmond Road. Um, rugby club room so I just popped in to visit and meet them all like that was just magic like I was like you know when you're working on a project for so long and then you're like now in the room with the actors who are playing like your dad and your uncle I was like this is like spinning out trippy but cool and amazing at the same time but okay this is actually happening now we're actually doing it 
um, so that was so good to meet the guys. And I'm so blessed and lucky that, you know, we chose Villa. All the cast, we were so blessed with the cast because they took on the material. They understood the weight and the responsibility of the story that we're telling, you know, and they took it seriously, you know. Yeah, we're really felt that we made the right decisions with all the casting. So many good stories to tell. And actually, when we met Demetrius, that's um that's a good story. And maybe I've heard him tell it, which is pretty cool. So we were back-to-back meetings by then and we were in Pratt. And so by the time we had a meeting with him, you know, we were going to be in that conference table situation, but we were hungry and it was like lunchtime. We'd already been up since five or six. So we're like, oh, we'll just go and take, we'll have a lunch meeting. So we went to the cafe. And so you can imagine, like, all the producers, you know, they all look like us here in this in this hui now, in this Talanoa. There's about six of us, and we all sat down. We were starving. We were talking away. You know, we've been together for so long, so we're joking like, you know, we're a family, so we're joking as well. And then Demetrius comes along with Leilani's. We sit down and we order the food. We're like, oh, order anything you want. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay then. So he's like, because we're starving, so we, you know, we're fobs, so we just pull the whole table of food <laughs> and away. And so we just introduced each other. And so he's like, oh, yeah. I was feeling for him, you know, would be a bit intimidating. So it was good in the end that it wasn't in the conference room. And so we're sitting down and so we start talking to him and asking him about himself and his journey and everything. And they said, oh, yeah, so what do you know about the Panthers and what do you think about Will? And then Demetrius, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's pretty, like, you know, it's pretty out there. You know, it's very sort of like, um, you know, it's pretty out there. It sort of said like a little bit of a, a, a crack up word, but it was quite funny. And then Tom just went, oh. Yeah, well, Jody, that's his daughter. And then he just looked at me and he was so embarrassed. And he was like, oh, shit, what have I done? What have I done? I'm just like, we cranked up laughing. I was like, oh, guys, come on, this bit. <laughs> so it's like, poor thing, maybe. Sorry, Demetrius, like, shitting his pants for about a minute. Yeah, nah, he's... Like, oh, no, he's a good guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're all good. It's fine. Sorry, Bella, you're going to say? No, no, I was just going to say, I remember, yeah, crack off, eh? Like, I remember Demetrius telling us that he used to say he dropped his nuts, like, <laughs> I remember him, like, he was just like, yeah, I remember they, they just asked me to come in for a meeting, and like, yeah, they just like, how do you think about Will? I was like, bro, like, I'll just be honest, eh? It's like, yeah, yeah, he's all right, he's just, oh, he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, and then, oh, this is Johnny, and uh, this is Will's daughter, and then, <laughs> yeah, the face he made, eh? I was like, oh, gee, nah, crack off, man. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a oh, um, oh, yeah. he's so like apologetic as well, and like he's, he's such like, a he's such a kind soul too. And so you can imagine him. I can imagine him being like really just yeah. He's, he's a man. Like he's a real humble dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was so good. And um, and so we had that table, and we talked about him and what he was going to do. And so in our minds, we were like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were like texting each other, we were like, I think he's the guy, like, should we open the roll? Should we open the roll? And then so Tom was like, we had a good corridor and find, wanted to find out where he wanted to go and what he thought um, about the story and the script and the character. And, and Tom said, yeah, so, you know, you can see us here and, you know, 
and you know we are all you know family and you can see us we all joke around and have fun and everything but you know everyone here at the table all works really really hard and and we're very um, honoured and blessed to be able to tell the Polynesian Panthers story. So, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you understand the gravity of the role and the responsibility of taking on this part? Because we do. And so if we are going to give the part to you, and if we find out that you're not turning up or you're just being lazy or not doing any work, I'm going to come run at you straight. <laughs> just went like that, like straight to Demetrius, and we all went quiet for about five seconds, eh? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, okay. And then Dee was like, yeah, I got it. And we're like, okay, then that's us. You want the part? All right, we're on. <laughs> oh man, crack up! Yeah. Oh, that's um, so cool that it. It's, you have, you got to start like that because you know. If, you don't want it halfway through the season and then something might happen and you're just like, oh, what the fuck? You know, we should have bloody built this properly. But, yeah, nah, I'm really um, grateful that you did that because he did pull the um, roll off quite well too. You know, I know Will as well, and so I can sort of envision him being like that as a, as a young guy and being quite reckless as well, you know, showing parts parts of parts of him doing that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, nah, I just um, want to take this opportunity to thank both of you guys for um taking time to discuss the themes the happenings everything to do with the panthers series um and you know i think people will benefit listening to this because it does touch up on conversations that are sort of not seen in the tv series um so yeah i just want to take this opportunity to say to you both villa Lemanu and Journey Ilola here. Thank you so much and blessings of Tsailama. Meitaki mata, Fafzai Tele Lava, and thank you for tuning into the Panthers podcast. Make sure you check out our other episodes. I'm your host, Benji Timu. Power to the people.